0: I'm very excited today because I'm able to announce that my new book called How to Be a Good Human has been published. It's on Amazon worldwide and it's available now through the Kindle store. I think I've managed to successfully get a web link on my Facebook page and on the blurb below this podcast, which means that if you click on it, it should take you to the book in whatever Amazon website you shop at worldwide. I can't promise you that because I'm not totally technically savvy and uh, I am finding it immensely complicated, uh, some of this stuff at the moment. Okay, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about the book and about what I was trying to achieve with the book, why I wrote it, and to talk about some of the motivations behind it. I want to talk a bit about What I hope the book will be able to achieve for you as a reader and for perhaps sons, daughters, fathers, mothers that uh, you might want to give it to. So initially the book was an idea that my son gave me a number of years ago. And as usual, as a father talking to their son, I was wittering on one day about whatever was relevant and going through my mind at the time. Sometimes you're not really conscious that you're teaching your children something. You're just having a conversation. You're explaining how it was for you in your day and how it might be different for them going forward and things to think about and, you know, ways that you can maybe approach a situation that would be beneficial to them. All of this is, as you know, you know, a fairly unconscious process as a parent. You don't really sit down one day with a PowerPoint presentation and decide what messages you're going to send to your children. You tend to do these things in a fairly informal setting, such as when your child is interested or asks a question at dinner or when an opportunity arises. So really, when you teach your child or you give them information, it's done in a fairly undisciplined and unstructured way. It's fairly opportunistic, really. And I think we all hope that if we're with our children for long enough, over 18 years or so, we as parents will impart enough information and knowledge to them that they can be successful. You know, we can pass on our knowledge of things that went wrong for us in the hope that they won't make the same mistakes that we did. We can pass on anecdotes that we get from other people who have been successful that we think that. Maybe we didn't have the opportunity to try ourselves, but might be useful for our children to try if they ever come across a situation like that. So really educational, passing on information to children is done through a number of methods. Firstly, through informal conversations with them. And secondly, you know they are watching you all the time. They're watching us and what we do and how we react to situations. They're listening to the conversations that we have with our wives and our wider family, and they interpret things from those conversations. So, if you come back, for example, from the office one day and you're absolutely furious with the way that you've been treated by your boss or one of your managers, and you're calling him all the names under the sun, you are effectively teaching your child to behave in that way. They will think that it is completely normal to call your boss every name under the sun. And they think it's normal for you to get angry when someone treats you in a certain way. These are lessons that sometimes we're just not conscious of teaching our children. So we have to be quite careful. You know, you have to think about what you're going to say in front of your children and what they might have heard us say And this is why very often when children get to a certain age, between about 16 through to the early to late 20s, when they're becoming independent adults, they have all this information that they've gathered from their childhood, through their parents, their teachers, all the sources of information they've had access to or been exposed to. And they have to try and make sense of that. They have to find some way of integrating that into themselves in a way that's comfortable for them. Because, of course... They have their own personality as well. So even though they may have been taught to react in a certain way in certain situations from the way their mom or their dad has acted and behaved and thought for 18 years of their life, that may not necessarily sit comfortably with them. So they may simply not be that sort of person. They may not share the same characteristics as their father or their mother. So they now have an inherent conflict set up. Between some of the information they've been told whilst growing up about what to think and how to behave, and the things that they now feel are what they want to be as a character. So, this is why, as young people, that there can be a lot of distress in this growing-up process while they become independent, free-thinking adults. Becoming an independent and sovereign individual requires a process of conflict and And the distress that comes with it by having to work through all of this stuff. Another way of looking at it is that they're coming into contact with the real world for the first time as an independent individual. And they're having to make their own decisions. So, you know, how do you make your own decisions? I mean, you've heard, for example, in the past that behaving in a certain way in a certain situation is the correct correct way to do do it. And you know exactly how to do that. I mean, you've heard your father talk about it numerous times. So you might think back to a situation that he described and how he dealt with the situation. And you think, well, I'll try that. And you start bumbling through trying to emulate what you've heard. And but you realize very quickly that your father didn't Actually, give you the full context of the situation when he described it. He didn't explain how it worked or how to do it properly. Perhaps he didn't even explain it truthfully to you in the first place because he was embarrassed that he'd cocked it up himself. So, you know, the truth is your father probably told you some semblance of truth. Then a lot of half truths around about how he managed it. And, you know, sometimes perhaps he just embellished it to the point where actually it was a complete fiction. And, you know, in some cases, you find out all of this as you bumble through and lose control of the situation. In the end, all this does is make you realize that everything really isn't quite as simple as you were told. And that things don't tend to work out as they were described in the past. And you start to realize that you've got this questioning process going on in your head saying, well, you know, if this was wrong, how much else is wrong? And now, how much more careful do I need to be going forward? And what are the principles at work here? What, why did that fail? So you can see immediately that it starts to get very confusing and very complex very quickly. And this is one of the reasons why young adults struggle, why young men and women, or just young people in general struggle, because they have to make sense of this mess, which is the past, and work out which bits to keep, and how to make sense of it in the now. What we used to do in the past, because that's really what your parents are teaching you, and what you have to do in the new world, which you're going into, which of course your parents pretty much know nothing about, are two completely separate things. There's a bridge from the old to the new that every young adult needs to build for themselves. So there's a bridge to be made. And in the middle of that bridge, there's also that process of trying to define who you are and trying to define yourself. So you put all that together. And really, you've got a pretty stressful situation and a pretty stressful few years while you try to make sense of it all and make up your mind about it all. So this book was written in an attempt to overcome some of that inherent complexity, some of that distress, if you like, of growing up. Because we've known for thousands of years what good behaviors look like. We pretty much know what they are and we've pretty much got them nailed down pretty accurately. We know what ethical, moral or good behaviors look like. We know what correct thinking looks like. We know these things. But they're not necessarily things that your parents would sit down and talk to you about. Some aspects of it, they will. You know, for example, telling the truth. That is something that every parent teaches their children. It's absolutely fundamental because you can't parent effectively if your child is untruthful. Because you never really know what's happening if your child lies to you continuously and children will lie. They learn to do it very early on as a survival technique. At two to three years old, they start telling what are called primary lies to try and cover up things that they've done, like putting their finger in the middle of a perfectly baked sponge or denying they ate the icing whilst covered from head to to foot in chocolate icing. At about four, they realise that these lies aren't really very good and they keep getting found out. So they start to make them a bit more plausible as they take into consideration the parent listening to, to them. And these are called secondary lies. And even those aren't brilliant, but, you know, they're a step up. And about seven to eight, they start telling what are called tertiary lies, where they actually understand the context of the lie and the audience that they're presenting the lie to. So as a parent, it's really important to try and get your child to be honest with you. So you start to teach them that there are no negative repercussions for telling the truth and that honesty is the best policy. Well, that's the theory anyway. I know a lot of parents that don't teach that lesson, so that's another reason I wrote a chapter on truthfulness in the book. So that's one of the first lessons we teach. So there are elements of good behavior that we teach people, but there are also lots of elements that we don't. We sort of leave those areas ambiguous. Sometimes we have those conversations, sometimes we don't. But we don't always explain them adequately and we don't explain why we need to behave and think in those ways. Very often, some of the lessons that we give our children, we give to them when they're very young. And as they get older, certainly in my case, you feel sometimes that you you might be patronizing an 18 or a 20 year old if you start to talk about some of these subjects and, you know, what courage is or what loyalty means. Because you think, well, by this stage, they must know all that stuff. Well, as I'm sure you well know, that's not necessarily the case. We all interpret information differently as we get older. So as we progress through life, we generally take on more information. We have more data available to us. So our understanding of situations becomes more complex, more nuanced. Now, if you then revisit a simple topic, take for example, courage. It might have been that when you were seven, courage was just simply having the courage to stand up in front of all your classmates and read a poem at school one day. That could have been your entirety of your understanding of what courage meant at that age. Perhaps when you're 18, 19 or 20 and you're playing rugby or some contact sport, courage might then get redefined for you as the courage to tackle someone and do something that might get you hurt. So it then becomes slightly different. It's slightly more nuanced. It's not just about mastering your fear and standing up in front of an audience. It's actually connected to your physical safety. So all of a sudden, you've got one example where it's mental safety or perception of mental safety. And the other one it's now physical safety. And then later on in life, you have a boss who's doing the wrong kind of things or treating someone badly or going to make a mistake. And you need to correct that. And then all of a sudden, you suddenly realize that courage can be defined as the potential loss of something. You know, you could lose your job, you could lose your credibility, you could lose your promotional aspects. So again, now courage is developed into from, from simply a mental and physical to a potential financial and conceptual uh, problem for you. And you have a much greater level of understanding of the subject. So what I'm saying here is that throughout your life, you're going to revisit the foundation blocks which are in this book. And they will mean different things to you at different times in your life. Now, the reason why the book is written as it is, which is a series of chapters on certain topics, and why the book is, some would say, simple. You know, I could probably have written an individual book on every chapter of this book but the reality is that would have been me trying to describe to you as a reader every potential understanding that you could have about that topic and I'd fail. I'd fail for the simple reason that it's inconceivable for me to think about every possible situation whereby you as a reader in your life would come across a situation where I would be able to think of the correct understanding that you would need for that moment in time for that topic. It's simply not possible. And it's also one of the reasons why books that try to do that are just fundamentally boring. Because you've just got to go on and on and on and on about the situation, all the possible ramifications and all the possible situations. And to be honest, you know, you just literally lose the will to live. If you read that sort of book, it's... It's a sort of academic exercise. So this book is written in a way where it gives you just enough information. It gives you the fundamental concept and the principle at large that you need to know about. Now, what will happen is over the years, you will read this book or you'll come back to it or you'll think about it. And there'll be certain moments and times when a chapter in that book means something to you. And I don't know what that meaning will be. That will depend on you. That will depend on your situation. And you will get another insight as a result of rereading the book. And over time, you'll start to understand that each one of these separate chapters are actually integrated. They're all part of a whole. They all link together. They all support each other. They are, in effect, foundations on a thinking process and a behavioral process which will allow you to be successful in the way that you live your life. But that complexity is unique to you. That understanding, that integration of the whole is a process that will happen with you throughout your life, with each one of those chapters. At distinct points in time, when it's relevant to you, and the only thing you really need to do is reflect at those moments of time about what it means and how you're going to adapt your behaviour or what that topic might mean for you at that particular moment in time, Gradually, your life and the foundations of this book will become integrated into you. And this is why the concept of Shokonin is at the heart of this book, because it's a continuous journey about perfecting yourself, perfecting the way that you integrate yourself with the world around you, how you integrate your thinking and your understanding of the world, and also how you, too, are able to pass on the information that you learn to your children. So it's about how you take what you've learned from your parents and your process of growing up and what you've learned about becoming a young independent person and integrating that knowledge and continuing to learn going forward about how to live a good life and how to be a good human and how to pass that information on to people around you and the next generation. Nowadays we're living through a remarkable time. You know, we've had a couple of hundred years of industrial revolution where the world went from a really fairly primitive world, not integrated, not global, without any real form of mass manufacturing really, where people were inherently poor most of the time, fairly poorly educated, had poor health and didn't on the whole live very long. And you know, I'd say by today's standards, they probably had a fairly miserable life. But in 200 years, We've managed to expand as a race of people beyond the limits of the planet. We have the highest standard of living and safety that we've ever achieved as a race of people on this planet. We have access to more knowledge and more resources than we've ever had. And this was on account of the Industrial Revolution. Now, what we're going through in the space of 20 years is probably 100 years' worth of change as we pivot and move from an industrial society to a digital economy. And that speed of change is absolutely phenomenal. It's unprecedented. And it's very easy for us all to lose our way or to lose the foundations of what living a good life is all about and what being good is all about with all that change around us. We're getting so much information, so many different points of views. It's just inherently complex and confusing sometimes. If you're not able to process all that information, And you're not able or you're unwilling or you don't have the time or you're just confused or it's difficult or you're finding it difficult to assimilate all this information. Well, this book is written as a foundation block to help you. It's really a straightforward book. It's a bit like having a conversation with your dad or someone that you know and respect and love and think, yeah, you know, what? he's a sensible kind of guy. He's going to give me some good advice here. It could be a conversation you're having down the pub. In a bar over a few beers. It's that sort of style. That's not complex. It's not intellectual. It's just straightforward, good quality information, which, you know, I can't even lay claim to. The book is the way I live my life, but I learned this from my parents. I learned this from going to church as a kid. I learned this from reading ancient texts. I learned this from people that I respect who are honest well-respected people in this world. I pulled all this information together and integrated it into my life. And I did it at quite an early age. And as a result, I've had what I think has been a reasonably successful life. I've had everything I've wanted. I've done virtually everything that I've wanted to. And I've done it in a way which, you know, I haven't harmed anyone. And I really think that I've led an honest, good life. I've seen the benefits of behaving in this way. And this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because I want you also to benefit from my experience. Now, hopefully I've managed to isolate the bits that are useful to you. There is some information from the past which just isn't relevant going forward. And there is some information from the past which is simply universal and will never change. The problem is that in today's society, there are just so many new ideas. And there will be people who will try to make you change the way you think about things. They will use arguments about new technologies and new ways of doing things to justify new behaviours or ways of thinking. And some of these comments will just simply be wrong-headed. Some of them will be worse. Some of these ideas will be very, very wrong. But hopefully this book will allow you to differentiate from right from wrong and make up your own mind about these things. So look, I'm really happy that the book is out now. It's called How to Be a Good Human by Andrew Wilson. It's available on Amazon worldwide. I'm promoting it. I will continue to promote it, and it will be constantly available on Kindle Unlimited for those of you who are on that subscription process. You can also buy it as a Kindle or buy it as a hard copy. Please. You know, take some time, buy a copy. It's a really easy read. And I think and I hope it will be helpful and useful to you in your life. I'd love to hear your views on it. And please write to me as well at iamshockanin at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. If you think there are any topics that you're interested in or maybe want me to write about or talk about, then send me an email. Go on the Facebook webpage. Send me a WhatsApp, contact me, let me know, because your feedback is about the situations that you're going through now. And I may or may not have covered those adequately in the book. And one of the things I'd like to do with the book is to continuously update it. So my plan is that every year I hope to be able to add a few more chapters on things or subjects that maybe you've thought about or come across as an audience and think are relevant that I can include. So that's it for now. Thank you for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always. And I do hope you enjoy the book. Take care.